Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and innovation in both consumer technology and consumer products. If you're enjoying this content, you could subscribe to my newsletter, theconsumervc.substack.com, to get each new episode and more consumer news delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you, Mike Gafari, for the introduction to our guest today, Tashar Garg, who is the co-founder and CEO of Flyhomes. Flyhomes' mission is to build the world's best home buying experience. Their simplified approach helps you search, buy, and move in, all with having to stumble through the traditional process. In this episode, we discuss how Tashar got into real estate, why he didn't see a lot of innovation on the buy side of the transaction when you're thinking about purchasing a new home, as well as their approach to growth and how they think about entering new markets. This is a great episode all about real estate. Without further ado, here's Tashar. Tashar, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this was a long time in the making. How are you? I'm good, Mike. It's great to be talking to you here on a Friday afternoon. How are you? I'm great. There's nothing I'd rather be doing, Tashar, than talking to you on a Friday afternoon. So what was your inspiration or why did you want to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I never set out to become an entrepreneur. Till I became an entrepreneur, it hadn't crossed my mind to be an entrepreneur. That might be a story of my life, as you would hear about how I got into fly homes and real estate. Um, I went to business school at Kellogg at Northwestern, and I was going to go to McKinsey. You know, in the first end of first quarter, uh, start of the second quarter, I had an opportunity to join McKinsey, which I have been wanting to go for a long time. But I, at that point, also met my co-founder Steve, who was taking a class budget together to try to save energy in every house and try to build a company around that. I'm like, oh, we have a year and a half in the business school. It'll be a lot of fun to kind of go, go and help him build something. And I told him, hey, look, I might go to McKinsey, but we've got a whole year and a half to go build something, so let's go. But as I got into it, I just loved the process of just, you know, asking questions, uh, iterating really fast, trying to figure out what we should be going and doing. And just really enjoyed it, you know, just working with Steve and realized that I think this was something that I was always meant to do. And I just don't know why I wasn't thinking about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's also cool how you met your co-founder in business school. So, what was the initial problem for this year and a half long project that you worked with Steve on originally that you were trying to solve? Was that the same insight that led into Fly Homes or was that something a little bit different? Yes, it's very organic at the journey. So we started out with the initial problem of saying, how do we save energy in every home for like a class project? You know, And it wasn't as rigid. We could have moved and done something different. As we started looking into that, one of the insights we got was the reason people don't upgrade energy in the houses is because the capital investment doesn't get recouped in time. And most people actually end up selling the house before that. So my background prior to that was machine learning. I grew up in India, did my undergraduate from one of the IITs, got into machine learning fairly early, and then was at Microsoft doing the same. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. This clearly means inefficiency in the housing market. What are the other things that people don't know about when they buy the houses? So what about the discount for the road noise, the premium for the view, the lay- one layout versus the other layout? And I thought, why wouldn't I just, you know, why don't I just rank houses on different features, uh, more in the house features, and make the home buying more transparent for the end consumer? So we discussed uh, Steve and I, and uh, we both liked the idea. So he got us a, using the student card, got us some data from Portland MLS, and we essentially uh, ran a hackathon back in my IIT for like a hundred bucks and built some good models. Got picked up by the Prisker Group, you know, in Chicago. 
as one of the two startups there. So that's how we got into something more serious. I had committed to McKinsey for the summer, so I had to go for that, backfill myself with a developer, but then took a quarter off after McKinsey to work on my startup. In the meanwhile, Steve had gotten us the license to, uh, with the, for the real estate in the state of Washington, just so that we can do fun things with the data. And I was going to build this machine learning startup. The story of Flyhomes kind of begins from there, which is I was just came off the McKinsey summer and I was sitting with my former boss at Microsoft, helping him with the presentation. And he was going to go make a, he was going to go buy a house. And I'm like, oh, you're buying a house. We just got a brokerage license. You know, we're bootstrapping. And I love to understand, you know, what is it that matters to you and the customers? So can we just help you buy one? And he was like, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, absolutely no idea, <laughs> you know. Yes, I was like, you know, absolutely no idea, but Steve's a lawyer, and uh, I used to live in the basement of Grandpa Tom, who is just under 80 and uh, was a real estate agent, and he helped us buy our house. And I said, between the two of them, I think we've got you covered. So there's a whole story of how we helped him buy the house in the next two days and sort of the next things, but uh, that's kind of how we got into buying and selling houses. When you were selling your boss's home, did your boss care about some of like the data that you were able to collect about premium view and your ranking houses? Was this someone who maybe validated your idea? So actually, it's a great question. Things happened really quickly. So basically, he actually wanted to buy a house, not, not sell a home. And he was looking to go see the house in the next few hours. So we said, hey, why don't we just help you buy one? And so I ended up just finding out how to show the house to him very quickly. Didn't think it was the right house for him. Uh, Steve ended up flying out from Chicago because I didn't even have a license, so I had to use Tom's help to show the house. And then ended up showing him six more houses. We had a training on Monday to how to figure out how do we you know, handle the brokerage data in a compliance way. We invited him to the training. So between thinking about it, to showing him the house, to helping him buy a house, everything transpired in 48 hours, you know, basically. And so we didn't get enough time to reflect and use all the data things that we were doing. We were just getting started at that point. So what happened in that point was... But it was a really fun and meaningful experience to all of a sudden help some a family buy a home, or in this case, my former boss. And of course, there's several different inefficiencies. But even at that point, I didn't have a aha moment to say, hey, this is what we're going to go and do in real estate. But one thing that came to mind was, hey, what if I get my license? I'm taking a quarter off. Why don't I help 10 families buy a house so that I can actually see the whole process and understand what this process would be like? And that's where you know a journey of sort of because I had no preconceived notion getting into this, and I'm happy to sort of share the story of how we came up with the cash offer, what we do today. As we started working with different families, the whole process started to become clear to us that the whole industry has not been designed for the end consumers in mind. And there's just so much that's broken and that's, that we can kind of go fix. So, uh, so it was very accidental in terms of how we got into this. So as you took that quarter off and you started selling homes for 10 families or more, what were some of the inefficiencies within real estate that you found out and maybe made you thought that, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here? Yeah, so we actually started with the helping families buy a home. So we started from the buyer's side, less from the seller's side. So the first one that I got my license, this is a really interesting story. So I got my license in the next couple of weeks. And the first family I was helping buy a house was Steve's friend's. And they'd been losing a house in Seattle uh, for two years. They, they couldn't win an offer, you know, essentially. So they just said, maybe your luck would change with going with somebody new. So we'll just give you a try. So, uh, you know, so I'm representing them. And sometimes just like meant to be, I opened the first door and Vincent is like, this is the house. We want this one. And this house is right next to Microsoft, super competitive neighborhood. Uh, we are in a very crunch you know, housing market today, you know, 
it was very similar at that point where multiple offers in the same house. So I called the other agent. Uh, she happened to be a former Microsoftie. Uh, so I asked her the question. I said, look, you would know that I haven't helped anybody buy a home so far. Last house was done. Steve uh, was the realtor, my co-founder. I don't want my customers to lose because of my inexperience. So I want to do everything in my capacity to put the best foot forward. I just want to understand from you, what is it that matters to you and your seller outside of the price so we can do everything in the best possible capacity. And if we lose, ultimately in the price, we'll understand it, but I don't want to lose on anything else. So she said, what's their personal story? I shared that. And then she asked me, what is their financing like? And I said, well, the first-time home buyers, Microsofties, 10% down, no problem. I'm like, she was like, I don't think you understand. 10% is not enough. People can have appraisal issues. Who's their lender? You know, people are going to put 50% down, offers, cash offers, and the likes. So I said, let me call you back. And she was just being very helpful. So I called her back and said, I just want to know from you, who's your favorite lender in town? What if you get a customer qualified with your favorite lender in town? Would that then give them an edge? And um, I said, you know, at least you would know that they're qualified. They would have a backup lender. And in good faith, if they match the rates, we would use them. And so she said, that's helpful. You know, I haven't heard that. So we did that. And there were nine offers on the table. And she was kind enough to tell us that we were the fifth highest offer and give us a chance to adjust. And we you know, came up a little bit on the price. And 20 minutes later, we won. And you know, we just raised a CDC. And I was super excited. But I, I remember the, the moment. Like I just drove back from the Microsoft campus. I was sitting in his office, just jumping in my yard. And it just felt really meaningful to help again a family get into a home. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. But when I took a step back and reflected, and it wasn't it, every single time I, I would do whatever it took to help the family get a home. But then I'll just look back and say, oh, well, why is it the seller has to figure out or the listing agent has to figure out what the buyer financing is like? The whole thing just felt upside down. So they don't know who the buyer is. They have no idea what the buyer financing is like. They're trying to guess it based on the amount of down payment or which bank are you using or which market you're using. But I know who my buyer is. So why don't I just make every buyer of ours be at that point, we came up with a guaranteed buyer concept and then we evolved it into a cash buyer. But essentially, the idea was we know who, let's say, Mike, you're buying a house with us. We know who you are. We would do all the diligence up front on you. And then we would tell the seller if Mike's making an offer and Fly Homes representing Mike, don't worry about who the lender is. Don't worry about how much down payment they have. The house is going to close no matter what at this day. And that was a guaranteed offer. And then we sort of took it to the next level and said, the speed of closing also mattered. So why don't we just turn Mike into a cash buyer? We'll front the cash for Mike. And essentially, that way, every buyer is the same. So it levels the playing field for the buyers. But for the sellers, they don't have to be in the business of trying to guess which offer is going to close or not close. So it effectively becomes like a credit card swipe for real estate. So that was one of the big ideas that we invented was the idea of turning every buyer into a cash buyer. And I'm happy to sort of dive in deep uh, around that. But that is just one part of the home buying journey and process. As we were fixing that, we were also saying, how do we show the houses more efficiently? How do we help onboard the people more efficiently? How do we help them make decisions? You know, How do we get underwriting from the mortgage? The so home buying journey has so many different steps. And our job today as Fly Homes is basically, and this has been all along, we've been trying to just fix every part of the home buying journey for the end consumer and make the world's best home buying experience. I mean, in order to solve, like more often than not in any negotiation, 90% of what people want is actually the same on both the sides. It's only a, only a few things that are not the same, right? So the only area of conflict between the buyers and sellers generally is what price am I getting the home at? But everybody, everything else, like everybody wants a smooth transaction. Everybody wants the thing to close fast. 
but there's a whole bunch of information that's missing in the middle of the ecosystem, which essentially means that people have a much higher perceived risk of what could go wrong. So there's a very high fear in the transaction process because it is one of the biggest things most people sell at any one point in their lives. So clearly, I felt that she was doing the right thing working for her sellers. I just think that those questions themselves should become irrelevant in the future because, you know, those kind of ambiguities should not exist. They exist today, but in the future, every offer would be a cash offer. So the process was understand what the other party wants, figure out how we, we can kind of go give that, and thereby give our people what they want, which is to win a house they love at the best value possible. That makes a lot of sense. Walk me through what point did you turn to your co-founder, Steve, and was like, hey, I think that there's an opportunity here to create what eventually went into Fi Homes. Like how, what was that process like and what was maybe like the early days of starting your company? Basically, Mike, what we were doing is, and it wasn't so much that we turned, I turned to him. We were both in the journey, like hand in hand together, working on every client, every situation, trying all kinds of ideas, you know. And as I said, like on one side, we're going down the financial path of uh, innovation. The other side, we were also improving the service experience. So we were saying, well, how do we show the houses on a really short notice in a way that people don't feel pressured at all? So we figured, hey, what if we get people who have Uber or Lyft drivers but happen to have a roasted license that can drive around the town? And then, because we couldn't afford to hire a bunch of people, we were bootstrapping at that point. So we're like, but we can have them, we'll pay them $5 delta on, or some 20% delta on their hourly rates of what they're going to make in lieu of saying, well, when we have a customer that you want to show the house for, you can just go do it. So again, you know, those things all evolved. So it was a very organic journey of saying, what is the next best thing, next best thing from a customer, all from the service perspective, like how should the whole experience work? Because it's still a very human element of buying a home that you need the human touch. And I became a broker myself. And so how do I think about onboarding you? How do I help you make good decisions? But then one of the products from a financial point of view, we realized as we sort of got together was, well, we can guarantee every single buyer because we know who they are. So we can actually effectively underwrite them up front to reduce the risk. We can understand this better by underwriting them and underwriting the house. We can reduce the risk by doing high quality underwriting and making sure there's nothing wrong. And finally, if something does go wrong, we can actually absorb the risk. But at that point, even to buy a single house, we didn't have the money. We we're both MBA students. So that's where things started to become real for us. Uh, Steve actually went to, uh, I think so far and other companies to start talking to them about, hey, can you do the underwriting for us? And we work in different lenders. And one thing led to the other, and we started meeting awesome people. As part of that, we met Mark Wader, who's the founder of Blue Nile Zulily here in Seattle. And uh, and he was like, you know, I like you guys, and I like what you're doing, and I want to invest. And we're like, oh, Mark wants to invest. So we weren't even like actively looking to, to raise. We were just so engaged in trying to solve the customer problems. And we had almost bootstrapped ourselves to, I could be off on this 100%, but like somewhere between $1 to $2 million of revenue run rate already, you know, just helping people buy houses and doing one thing after the other. And then Mark came in and he's like, I want to I wanna invest. So we raced around with him. And then the natural next step for us was, well, the guaranteed offer is great, but what, what if we just front the cash for everybody and make it the credit card strike for real estate, where the, the fundamental idea, the sellers and buyers have to close on the same day, that's that's fundamentally broken, you know, because on most things that you go buy in the market, you just swipe your card, sellers get paid right away. They're not trying to figure out what, they're not trying to underwrite you and the risk. And then you come back and pay your, your card company. So we were like, well, why can't the biggest asset work this way? And in order to go do this, we needed warehouse lines. And I'm happy to talk about how did we create sort of a whole class of financial products and 
partnered with different banks to kind of start getting the capital. And, uh, and at that point, we needed a lot more capital to scale the company and operations. And that's when we raised the Series A with entries in Horvitz. So it was kind of like that journey. And I'm happy to sort of speak about that more. How are you pre-qualifying folks that actually do want to buy a house? The lenders that we ended up using the first customer, you know, ended up using the lender of choice. Uh, they invited me after that to say, hey, can, can we become, can we send them more customers? And I was like, you know, we aren't even sure if you're going to be a brokerage. We're just doing it to bootstrap and to learn the consumer behavior. But it wasn't clear to me, like, on what basis would I recommend? And, this, you know, they were very nice and friendly. But what happened was we had waived all our contingencies in the, in the buying process. And we were really nervous that, hey, what if something goes wrong? My clients would lose all the earnest money. And this is a big part of their life savings. So I said, look, that was one of the big stress points. And I give them the credit. They were like, hey, there got to be something that we can do to be special and different for your customers. So I said, you know, this was a really stressful thing. So I understand that your rates could be higher, things like that. And ultimately, the customers would make their choice on who the best lender for them is. But at least one thing we would really appreciate is if you can underwrite our customers up front and give some kind of a guarantee on their earnest money and said, look, if we told you that we can underwrite you and you can get a loan and something goes wrong, you would cover a part of their earnest money. So that's kind of how we started underwriting and actually working for the customers. Because now if you think about that, from a buyer's perspective, they were like, oh, wow, like these folks are actually underwriting me. That means they're confident, they have skin in the game. So the buyers felt more confident to make stronger offers. The sellers, we would send that guarantee letter as part of our offer and say, hey, the lender is so confident that they're guaranteeing part of the earnest money of the buyer. And for the listing agents, they would be like, hey, is this real? I'm like, I'll connect you with the lender. You could use it for your own customers too. And that became a really good you know, virtual cycle. So essentially, that's kind of how we got into the lending and underwriting process. We basically got the banks to underwrite the buyers for the long-term financing upfront but, and do it in a way that they actually wouldn't put money behind it. And now then we, eventually we opened up our own mortgage company where we said we're going to guarantee all of it. So if we told you, Mike, that you can buy a home and if we made a mistake in the process, that's on us, not on you. Because as an individual, that's too much risk to go take and you have no capacity to go do it. As a company, I might make a mistake, you know, one in a hundred transactions, hopefully one in a thousand transactions in the future. And I should be able to, you know, manage that as part of my risk profile, essentially. Why did you decide to choose that market? Was there a particular strategic reason? Yeah, so we had three markets at that point where we had the license to go do things. One was Seattle, uh, one was Chicago, where we were doing our MBA, and also in Boston. I happened to be, I think part of it was just, both Steve and I were former Microsoft employees, so we knew Seattle, we were here. You know, initially, I just happened to be here taking a quarter off. You know, my wife used to work here, so I was just happened to be in Seattle to get started. But once we got started, we realized it was actually a really good market for us because there was just so much happening from a buyer activity perspective. And people were struggling to buy homes and it was very competitive. And we found that the sellers have always been the holy grail in real estate. And um, people had ignored the buyer process. And we thought that buyer was a really interesting category. So now we help the first-time buyers, the second-time buyers, who also happen to be sellers and also sellers. But we thought this is a really interesting place for us to go start in, is to go solve the buying problem and help. And it's, it's really also an amazing thing to do. It, it was just a very satisfying feeling to help a family get a home for the first time. So we predominantly got started with first-time home buyers, and the challenges in the Seattle market were as tough as any. And I think it's kind of like really cool to be in that kind of a market space just because it forces you to creatively think about the problems. And I don't know if we were not competing in that kind of an environment, would we have ever come up with the idea of making every buyer be a cash buyer, right? So I think it just it, it turned out to be a really good thing. What, so what, um, what, the, what was tough about Seattle 
was just was just that homes were um, was just because the market was so competitive. Is that right? That's right. I mean, just inventory of the homes is shorter, uh, is lesser than the number of people who want to go buy the house. So on an average, there was about you know five plus offers on every home. So there's a lot of buyers, a lot of latent demand, you know, and they want to buy the home. And we had found a way uh, to level the playing field to give the advantage to the buyers that didn't exist. So we quickly, it's hard to know which ones that came first. We were in the environment in Seattle, so we created a product, which then made a lot of sense for that environment. The question became more interesting to say, okay, what's like the next market you were supposed to go launch? And we ended up launching Bay Area as the next market because it was you know, a phenomenon that was happening even at a bigger scale in the Bay Area. So that was a much more conscious, you know, decision for us uh, to go after. And then we sort of, now what was happening in Seattle and Bay Area is kind of happening all over the country, basically. So we went from Seattle to Bay Area to Southern California and then a beachhead in Boston and Oregon um, in Portland. And now we're expanding nationally, just launched Texas. Because um, we believe that the product works. People are looking for a way better, much better way to buy a home a company they can trust and, and a whole experience that works for them. But it made sense for us to use a cash offer as a product to kind of go launch on the West Coast where the need was the highest for the product, essentially. So how are you able to launch multiple products? We'd love to kind of like learn how you think about launching your We started with the cash offer and started helping with the first-time home buyers. Then naturally, a lot of our buyers started becoming second-time home buyers. They wanted to buy the next home. And then we realized about half the markets are people who actually have a home they want to buy the next home. So that's a huge problem. So the way we solve it is uh, we say buy before you sell. And today the options are, as a seller, you either put a contingent offer on your next home saying, if I can sell my house, I'll buy your next home. That's not good for anybody. It's not good for sellers. It's not good for buyer. You can't win the home. It's a super stressful process because at any point you might lose the home and then you're selling your home. Coordination is really hard. Or you list your home and sell it you know, on the market, go rent a place, move everything and try to go find the next home. Again, super stressful. And also, you've sold the house on a rising market up front, and then you're trying to go buy the next house, and the houses just keep becoming more and more expensive. Not the best way to go do it again. And the third one is basically you sell it to the iBuyers, where you have no idea what your house would have sold for. So only in a few markets, you could kind of go sell it at a certain value. But in my opinion, you know, market houses should sell on the free market, and you should be able to have the highest price, you know, basically on the free market. It's one of the largest assets of people's lives. So the way we solve it is we say, Mike, we know what your home is worth. So let's say we guarantee you anywhere from 95 to 90% of the home value as proceeds. You know, Now, we're not looking to buy that at that value from you. We would basically use that number to qualify you for the next purchase. And we know that you can now buy up to this number. So now you can sit in the comfort of your current home. And the day you find the home you love, we'll buy the home for you all cash, much like the same cash offer. You get the best odds of winning the next home at the best value possible. Immediately, you move from this home to the next home, you can settle in, and then we'll come and do everything for you and list your home and sell it on the market and do a phenomenal job doing it. And if we can't sell it, and we had to buy it at the option value after three to six months based on the house, we will buy it from you. But again, if we went back and sold it for a higher price later, we'll give you all the money back minus the cost of holding the house for that period, basically. So any cost we incurred. So we are 100% aligned with you as the consumer. Does that make sense? It totally does. And that's amazing how how really your sense of alignment is with the consumer on the lending side and on the finance side. That's really amazing. Yeah, I think it's, it's, you asked, like, how do we think about launching new products? And I think it really comes down to sort of that heart of, is this something that our customers want? Are we going to be fundamentally aligned with that? And then, of course, you know, in the past, we've had to sort of tie that together to some level of fundraise because every product that you're trying to go launch, you know, requires, like when we were launching the cash offer, well, we needed to get the credit lines 
to be able to support that. And for that to, for us to get that, we had to have equity in the books. So it made sense for us to kind of go raise the round and then use that uh, you know, proceeds to sort of go build this. In the next round, uh, you know, we sort of, for Series B, we had just started experimenting with the buy before you sell and now it's a huge part of a business. And that's something we did sort of while in Series B. We also have realized that customers are looking for a one-stop shop. So as I mentioned, we've opened our own mortgage company, Firehouse Mortgage, which is such an integral part of the whole customer experience because when you're starting your home buying journey, it's both brokerage and mortgage you want to do at the same time. You have to understand what could you buy, what would the long-term implications be. So we opened our own company in that direction. You know, open our own title and escrow shop, you know, as well to kind of go support that. So our vision is basically how can we build the world's best home buying experience for the end consumers? And then which of these is things that we should go build ourselves versus which of these things should we partner on is kind of how we evaluate it. And then amongst the stack of priorities that we have today, what's the next best thing that we should go after is kind of how we look at it. That's great. You're looking at everything from a consumer lens. And what are additional pain points that is involved within the real estate? How can you make it, as you say, like the whole real estate transaction, like as easy as a credit card swipe, which is amazing. I'm just kind of curious, what's the percentage of houses that maybe like you aren't actually able to sell? Not very many, particularly in this market that we've been in for the longest time. You know, so I think every house sells. It just depends on what the value is for you to go sell it. And this is where, again, the way we do it is we are fully aligned with the consumer, right? So we can't promise you and say, hey, look, put your house in the market, go buy this house, it can sell for any value because we're actually having to put our money behind it. It's the same thing even on the cash offer on the buy side. We are fronting a cash on the house that we wanted to go buy. We can't make you buy a wrong house because if we did and you decided to walk away and buy buyer's remorse, we still will have to go put the house back on the market and go sell it. Sure, we'll have some earnest money to make up the things for 3 to 5%, but that's, we never use earnest money as a way to sort of make money for us. You know, that's just not what we do, right? So, so the risk is actually fairly aligned. And that, again, is a huge transformation because now we've tied the interest of the company with that of the customer. And so if we think that your house is going to take a long time to sell, we would tell you that. So we can't, this temptation in terms of kind of in the business to tell the customers the best possible cases, but we have to tell them the expected case, the best case, the worst case, and, and even what could go wrong even from beyond that. And then that's the fundamental notion. When you are aligned deeply with the end consumer, it just makes the whole thing more transparent. Totally. What were the effects of, of COVID within four fly homes and what were you seeing within real estate during this period? Yeah, so I mean, COVID has been such a roller coaster for, for so many of us. At the start of COVID, you know, real estate has so much operations, like people still have to go see the houses, you know, they have to interact with the, uh, with the folks. So initially everything sort of closed, the county offices closed. So how do you even close the transactions? We had a lot of houses that we were trying to do the cash offer with. So it was a very scary time at the start of COVID. I think thereafter, you know, things started to sort of settle in into more of a remote and operating rhythm. And our company and the teams did a ter- terrific job of finding a new way to work. And actually, we found that it's turned out to be actually even more efficient for all our customers in many ways. So like, you don't have to go back in the downtown to meet the person for the first time. You can meet our your real estate agent right on the Zoom call and, you know, get all the materials right off the bat and start building a relationship. So I think in just from an operation standpoint of the company, it was definitely a very challenging time. We had to sort of navigate that. But then... You know, at a more macro industry level, the home became at the heart of everything. You know, it became, it's always been very important to human beings, but COVID just accelerated that process and the freedom to be able to buy the, what was happening in the West Coast, the phenomena became a phenomenon that's happening all across the country. People are moving, the mobility has gone up a lot. And the, in order to fundamentally support that mobility, these processes and systems have to become dramatically easier for 
people to be able to live their lives and have the home that they need to have, right? So, so I think fundamentally, the home has become at the heart of everything. People are moving more. They want more flexibility. And third is that there has been a rapid acceleration of trusting the brands such as us, uh, which there's always this inertia like, hey, this is a new thing. Is this the right thing for me? And, uh, you know, we are seen as the online brand. And even though we would do everything for you that your realtor would do for you, uh, but a lot of people would not realize it. They'll think of this just as an online brand. And I think that that trust process in the consumers have gone up a lot, but they're expecting something better, much more seamless and end-to-end. I think so all those three things that were a huge, you know, huge factor in us sort of showing our growth and then coming out and sort of raising a Series C for, you know, with awesome partners from Norwest and Battery Ventures for $150 million this March. And uh, and since then, it's continued to be a crazy market and our, our customer demand has continued to kind of go down in the direction where they want a much better way of buying a home for their futures. What were maybe some of like the early mistakes that you made as a founder? You know, everything is a double-edged sword. So like in the hindsight, we bootstrapped for maybe a little bit you know, longer than we should have. You know, the category was... The category is massive. We know we've put the right product market fit. The customers want a solution. So I think we could have raised faster, bigger, and just kind of gone for it, right? So I think that's something, as I've gone from a journey of becoming an entrepreneur and just like taking every every next step for me is a journey of being more and more expansive myself and sort of working through our own limitations. I think similar on those limitations, I think, how do you hire fast and ahead of the, ahead of the demand as you're building the company? Because problems become more and more complex faster than you know it. So I think, you know, typically, and I've talked to many fellow founders, you know, we often find that we're always a little bit behind uh, in terms of hiring the next generation of talent that can take the company to the next level. And I think, um, so I look back at different moments and like, yeah, I wish I would have hired faster or just moved faster. You know, some of those dimensions, uh, I think it's a big, big part of the exercise. It's definitely a journey of like becoming a better leader and a better human being, you know, in, in terms of, it's not only like what message you're communicating, uh, but it's also how you communicate the message that actually ultimately inspires the people to do their best work. So I think there's things, again, that there's just a lot that I look back and like, oh, I wish I would have handled the situation differently instead of done it better. So I think those kind of things uh, also come along the way. That's great. That's great. What is one book that inspired you personally and one book that inspired you professionally? Personally, uh, this is quite a ways uh, back, but I really love this book. It's called Siddhartha from Herman Hayes. And uh, have you have you enjoyed that book, Mike? Um, it's funny. So I, I, have, I haven't read it. I've been meaning to read it, to be honest. But um, I've had a couple other investors bring it up. One of them, I remember, Mike Dubo, that was one of his books that he really enjoyed. And, you know, I think, uh, and I've never actually gone back and reread the book, but I couldn't keep the book down when I picked it the first time. And, and you know, it's just one of those stories of, like your self-discovery, you know, for how, you know, Siddhartha became Gautam Buddha and what was his sort of journey like. And I think there's just a lot to learn around living in the moment and then reflecting and sort of improving and going and building the next thing. So I think that was a big, very helpful book to sort of put a lot of things into perspective. And professionally, really enjoyed reading, you know, Hard Things About Hard Things uh, from uh, Ben Horvitz. Um, I think it's just I think most founders will really resonate with the journey. There's lots of highs and lows. And yeah, I think we've had our share of those as well. And um, I think it's just good to keep the things in perspective and just realize that, you know, that's kind of why you do this anyways, is because, you know, you want to be problem solving, finding the solutions and, you know, taking it to the better place. So I, I've sort of really enjoyed seeing his journey and, and having him and Anderson Horwich as one of our investors. No, that's awesome. Yeah, we've had a number of folks also mention hard things about hard things about how that was um, really helpful um, and inspiring for them. 
Um, that's great. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing them. Um, my final question to you is what's one piece of advice that you have for founders? I think the thing that I think I could myself do better, I think is, is like, how do you push in the pursuit of mission? Like, how do you sort of keep the balance? I think on every dimension, uh, because to truly build an iconic company, I think it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think while you have to do many, many sprints, you know, at many junctions and times, so I would say like finding the right support systems, uh, you know, taking care of your health, family, you know, just your overall, you know, mental health and spiritual health. Uh, I think it's just really critical. So not just building the support networks as fast as you can, you know, across different dimensions, uh, I think is, is a big part of how you scale. Tashar, this has been such a pleasure. I've had Paul on the show. I've had Mike on the show, both from Canvas. They, they speak the world of you. I'm huge fans of, of both those gentlemen. This has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Mike, thanks for having me. And there you have it. It was such a pleasure chatting with Tashar. Tashar, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And thanks for learning about Fly Homes. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter, at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone.